As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Athletic Hockey Show, the Wednesday Roundtable Edition. I am Rob Pizzo from CBC Sports. I am in Toronto. Uh, Sarah Sivian in Boston, trying to keep her accent gone, right? Like, I, I know you and your brother, you're sending messages of your brother talking with the Boston accent. Made me laugh because it's it's a fun accent. How are you, Sarah? Yeah, I'm great. I'm great. How are you? I'm doing good. And in a week or two where breaking news has been the story uh, in the NHL, like things just shocking everybody, the, the, the news just keeps coming left, right, and center, uh, it, leave it to Jesse Granger to break the biggest news of them all. Um, I don't know if it's an acquisition or a signing, a lifetime contract uh, that he has signed with his now fiance, Tracy. Congratulations, my friend, on taking the leap. Thank you, Rob. Thank you. It was a very exciting week. Thank you, Sarah. Woke up and I saw the picture of you guys in front of the Bellagio fountain. And uh, I take it everything went well on the, uh, on the proposal. It did. It did. She she's born and raised in Vegas. Not very many people in Las Vegas are born and raised here. So I thought couldn't couldn't be a more Vegas spot in the world than in front of the Bellagio Fountain. So yes, it worked out very well. Are we going to live podcast that wedding? Like, are we just going to have? <laughs> we got to go. We got to go live to it. The athletic hockey show wedding edition. The, the wedding <laughs> edition. Uh, get used to one question for the next couple weeks. Have you set a date yet? Have you set a date yet? Have you set a date yet? Trust me, people ask that. Uh, like crazy, but congratulations. We wanted to uh, make sure we got that in the show because we got a lot to get through, guys. It, we've had some time to digest uh, what could only be considered a blockbuster deal. We don't necessarily see blockbuster deals very often like this with so many layers. Matthew Kachuk, now a member of the Florida Panthers, and he will be for a while, uh, signing an eight-year deal worth $76 million in a deal that saw Jonathan Huberto, Mackenzie Weger, a pick and a prospect going the other way. Um, like I said, it's it's been a few days now, guys. When you saw it, when you were, you're on your social media account or wherever the hell you saw it the first time, what words came out of your mouth? Because for me, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Sarah, we'll start with you. Mine was, what's the point then? Like, I get that the two going to Calgary are both UFAs next year, but still, if you're getting such a great player like Kachuk, don't you want to keep Huberto and go for a run? Like, I just don't understand. I guess the word that I thought of is how, because 
I don't know if I've just been conditioned covering the Golden Knights that if a team, if, if the rest of the league knows you have to make a trade, this you is get it. nothing. Yeah. You yeah. get absolutely nothing. Yeah. The Golden Knights gave Marc-Andre Fleury away for literally nothing. It was Mikel Hekarainen was the return. He didn't even fly to Vegas. They were like, don't even bother. Stay in <laughs> Chicago. They gave Max Pacioretty away to Carolina. They actually had to give Carolina Dylan Coghlan t- to sweeten it for them to yeah. take the team's best score. <laughs> So I've just been conditioned that if the whole team knows, if the whole league knows you have to make a trade, you're getting absolutely nothing and liking it. And somehow Calgary got an absolute haul. I do not know how they did it, but Calgary deserves all the credit in the world. It's incredible the return they got. Brad Living deserves the GM of the year award right now. I love that his dad tweeted that. His yeah. dad was like, he's a good son too and a great GM. That was really yeah. cute. <laughs> just to me, that's that's the key to this whole thing is – you know, it, he didn't demand a trade in the traditional sense where somebody, I want out of this city, but he said, I'm not signing long-term. So <laughs> trade me or I'm going to be a UFA in a year. And I saw this deal and you don't see Hart Trophy candidates, you know, going the other way. Um, and this deal, like I said, has so many layers because if you look at the upcoming season, 2022-2023 season, the Calgary Flames won the deal. It's not even close, right? I mean, look at what they got. They got a top-tier defenseman. They got Huberto. They won it hands down. But if those two guys bolt in free agency, um, this is a much different – like, come July of next year, this deal is going to be examined all over again, isn't it? Yeah, it's going to look totally different. Um, I yeah. think if, if they can – just Huberto. If they can just sign Huberto and it's like, okay, we got – we, we kind of swapped stars. It was a one for one. Huberto's, right? yeah. Huberto's a little older, but but to me, him and Kachuk, that's they're, that's pretty even swap. Yeah. And we got a year of Mackenzie Weger and a, a <laughs> first round draft pick. Like, I think if you can just get Huberto to sign, you still feel great about it. If you get them both to resign, Calgary won this deal and it's like a runaway. But like you said, if, if all of them walk, this, there's a different feel to this trade in a year. When was the last time we touched a blockbuster of this magnitude with two elite teams too? You know what I mean? Usually when somebody wants out, they want out because a team's not, you know, going in the direction they want. And we'll get to Jonathan Taves in a minute. Uh, But um, when you've got two teams that had the seasons that they did, it's so weird to see them swap top tier players, isn't it? I just wonder if this would have happened if Gaudreau signed in Calgary. You know what it's I mean? Because it's like they were elite, but it's beca- now what are they? I guess still elite with the two players they got in their return. So it's great work by the Flames. But yeah, it's been a while since two playoff caliber teams are doing this. And and just the cap implications, like I said. I mean, you know, pre-cap, it was pretty simple. You just make a deal. You, you don't care what is going on come contract time. But I was looking at, you know, some of the biggest deals – in the cap era, what do you guys think is the biggest deal since, you know, they have to deal with money? I mean, I got P.K. Subban for Shea Weber was a huge one. Taylor Hall for Adam Larson. When Eric Carlson got traded to the Sharks, uh, the Tyler Sagan deal to, to Dallas. Is there one that jumps out that you're like, because this to me is 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 right up there. Jesse? Yeah, I mean, obvi- like the Eichel one is top of mind for me. Yeah. That was obviously a huge trade. But every every trade, I think like Mark Stone, again, kind of the Vegas thing. They're all terrible teams trading their best player to a good team because the player doesn't want to be there anymore is, is for the most part. Like I think the, the Subban Weber trade, I guess is a little different. That was more of a, Hey, we got a top elite defenseman. You got an elite defenseman. Let's see if they work better in other cities. Um, Yeah. I, I think this is right up there with those. I would say the Sagan, just because I was in Boston at the time. And I remember they had this behind the B thing where they showed all of them, Peter yeah. Chiarelli in the war room where he's like making this horrible decision. And it's so funny to look back on like all the reasons they wanted to trade him and what they're it like fell through at the last minute. And it's like, they're so, I don't get why they haven't deleted that yet, but it's like everybody, if you're bored this summer, go watch that again. Uh, that yeah. was just so funny. Based on everything except hockey. Yeah. It was all about it. What, you know, what he does off you know off the ice and i agree with you i remember seeing that going this is still just floating around out there on youtube um should mention you know obviously this is the second time in two weeks now we thought johnny goudreau we had you know going to new jersey was a foregone conclusion i don't know about you guys i thought kachuk was just getting ready to be a st louis blue uh and we're going to talk jeremy rutherford in the second half of the show to see what happened there um 
Were you guys on the same boat? I, I thought for sure going home, he's from St. Louis, his, the history with his dad. I thought Kachuk was a blue next year for sure. Yeah, I wanted to I want I want to ask Jeremy about this, but when I saw the list, the the list that was in the story that was just all the cities he's I was like, well, he's clearly going to St. Louis because this yeah. list to me looks like a city he actually wants to go to and then he's like, well, I got to throw some I can't just say St. Louis. I've got to throw some other cities. Eh, throw the ones with no state income tax. Um so like yeah. to me to me when I saw the list, it screamed I want to go to St. Louis. That was just the, my initial thought. And you, you touched on our next topic, Jesse, because, um, you know, we saw Johnny Goudreau, as I mentioned, we thought he was going to New Jersey. Uh, he ends up in Columbus. Um, and I, so everyone talks about the money he left on the table. Um, and it brought up something that is just so interesting because different states and different provinces have different um, tax brackets and, and, and what you end up giving to the government. And I saw someone on Twitter, and I apologize, I just randomly saw people talking about this, and I thought it was an interesting topic. Are we at a point now where the NHL has to at least consider um, a different cap for different states, depending on what their tax situation is? I know in Europe, in in certain soccer leagues, their cap situation always is based on after taxes. This player has this cap hit. After taxes, because to me, guys, I look at the Panthers, I look at the Lightning, I look at the Stars, I look at the Golden Knights. They have a distinct advantage over other teams. Do we need to start maybe thinking about something like that, Sarah? Probably before Austin Matthews hits the market. It is like all these American-born players kind of realizing this, and you're seeing that this year. And I absolutely think something needs to be done, and it's more power to the players for kind of optimizing. They only have these bodies in their prime for a few years and they want to make as much money as possible. And I think that's more power to them. But I think the league needs to follow suit and make it more fair. I I do think the cap needs to rise in general, like a a huge amount. But I guess we'll get there. Jesse? Yeah, I feel like this is almost like a recent development. Like it's not not that players haven't known this for a while, but it just seems like it's really getting emphasized in the last few years. Um, you I'll, like I've heard some people say, well, the agents, they know how to structure their their c- contracts and they, they work through bank accounts and blah, blah, blah. They get all this stuff. But at the same time, a list like the one Kachuk put out, which we're going to ask Jr. if it if it actually is just state income tax. But like uh, here in Vegas, Evgeny Dodonov didn't want to be traded to Anaheim. From what I hear, it was 100% tax-based. And his his no-trade list was basically pick the 10 teams, that cities that have the highest tax bracket, put them on my no-trade. That's my no-trade list. I don't care wow. where I'm playing hockey. I don't care if they're a winner, if they're a loser. I want to make the most money possible. And I have no problem with that. I, think, I have all the respect in the world. Right. So... To me, if if players are going to be that upfront about like I want to play for the teams with the lowest tax brackets, then maybe we do have to change something because we we should like I don't know like that kind of takes that's that's part of the competitive balance. You're taking it off with yeah. these teams in these non non state tax brackets um, having a big advantage. I don't know. Like I said, I feel like this is just in the last couple years, so it's starting to feel like they do need to make a change. What do you think, Rob? You're in a you're in a you absolutely uh, do place with high tax bracket. No, I mean, I, I find, I, you know, I find that it's one of those things. that's kind of funny because the salary cap was implicated. Why? Obviously to keep, you know, to make it a fiscally responsible league, but also to make an even playing field. And suddenly we don't have an even playing field. I'm looking at some uh, salary rates and, and, and tax rates right now. And, and the one that jumps out to me is John Tavares. He pays 53.3% in taxes. Okay. That is $8.4 million a year goes to the government because of where he plays. You know what I mean? And I remember when Steven Stamkos was getting set to be a free agent and everyone's like, why Tampa? Well, I'm sure there's a lot of other reasons, but he didn't come to Toronto because <laughs> look at the tax implications. So I think it's it, – and I'm far from you know an account or somebody who's really a, an expert on taxes. But to me, the simple answer is – after taxes. This is what this player makes after taxes. That's what counts against the cap. And we go from there because as you mentioned, if, if suddenly players are saying my 10 team, no trade clause is the 10 teams with the highest tax bracket. 
you're handcuffing teams. You're handcuffing right. GMs. Well, and I think Tampa Bay has has you look at all the great team friendly deals they have on their on their cap. I think a big part of that is when they're talking to these players, and I and I think Vegas does the same thing. I think they're telling yeah. them, look, we're gonna give you five million. You may be able to get six out on the open market, but do the math and you're actually gonna make more making five here. Just sign this deal. And you look at these, like I said, I think Tampa's done it really well. They have a lot of team friendly contracts and that and that could be directly because of that. And I'm happy that players have started using it as leverage because it's in their rights to do so. And I want the rules to follow suit. Yep. I'll have to wait and see. As you mentioned, Jesse, I agree with you. It's kind of a, a new phenomenon, but it's just because, you know, the numbers are obviously all we talk about now when it comes to a trade, like a, a, a trade or a signing. I mean, there was, you, you don't just talk about whether a, a trade was won or lost by a certain team. You got to start talking about what their capital implications are. And if a, a team flat out just can't go for a free agent because of something that's beyond their control, that's now an unfair advantage. So Right. Then you look at the bigger sports and it's like people are turning down $400 million and it's much, it's less of an issue. Yeah. When you, if your tax rate was 53.3% <laughs> and every state is so different. Like I did some, just some research looking into it and certain states have a higher or lower tax bracket, whether or not you're married, whether or not you have kids, you know, so all of these implications have to, and, and maybe that's why certain unrestricted free agents are taking so long to sign. There's a lot of things they have to consider besides that, you know, cap friendly number that we end up seeing uh, in the end. Uh, some more news, guys. Sharks officially naming David Quinn their new head coach, of course, replacing Bob Bugner, who was fired. Um, you talk about this overhaul with the Sharks. Man, oh, man, it has been busy in San Jose. In April, they fired Doug. Well, they didn't fire Doug. Well, excuse me. He stepped down uh, because of uh, medical reasons. Bugner was fired in June. They hired Mike Greer as their uh, GM in July. And now this month, they traded away Brent Burns and now have a new head coach. Um, they are turning things upside down in San Jose. Your thoughts on this, Jesse? Yeah, I mean, I, this isn't a, a, an attack on Quinn, but I'm just so tired of seeing the same 32 names recycled yeah. over and over and over again. I, I, I think we, I mean, we talk about it on here quite a bit. I had a few like off the wall guys that I thought Vegas should have interviewed to just like non NHL guys, whether it was Broberg from Sweden or just someone new. And I feel like maybe Vegas wasn't in the situation to do that because they're like in win now mode and there's a lot of pressure and we don't have time to, to we, we've got old aging players to me. San Jose is in like, they're in a full rebuild. Like this team is trying like basically starting from scratch. They've got some huge contracts that they're trying to, manage but they're still basically starting from the beginning i thought this situation would been would have been a perfect one to give someone else a chance but this is the nhl so here we are (laughs) agreed i I thought mike valucci they can't he was a candidate for this job and he would have been great he was the former um he's with the penguins now in the ahl i think he's due for a look in the nhl in some capacity I, i think david quinn i'm i'm I like him more than a lot of people do, I think, because he was at BU and he, I think he suited for the NHL. I don't think the Rangers were an ideal situation for him. I don't know if the Sharks are either, but I guess we'll see. I, I don't know. There's the BU, BU connection too with Mike Greer, right? They're both yeah. from, uh, both went to Boston University. There's, and that's, you know, you talk about relationships and we see those same names, Jesse, because we see the same names wearing suits in the offices too. And they're all just going to continue this recycling. I'm with you. I I like when a coach is considered and me as someone who follows hockey and covers hockey for a living. I'm like, who? Right. You no, know, I like that. I like that. I have to look this guy up and go, okay, let me see what he's done because it just sometimes feels like just this carousel of the same guys over and over again. It does. I will say we're getting better. There was a week during the draft or right before it where there was like so many women's names being thrown in. And uh, Jessica Campbell, who's an assistant coach in the AHL now, the first female assistant coach, I got to talk to her at the draft a lot. I think she has such a bright future and that's someone people should look into and they're getting there. But they can't just go from never having worked in the NHL to NHL head coach. So it's a process that we're finally spinning the wheels on. Uh, we'll wait and see. This feels like we're like shitting on Quinn. To me, it's not even Quinn. He just happened to be the, the latest <laughs> retread that got yeah, hired. Like yeah, I don't have a problem I mean, specifically with him. It's mm-hmm. just 
He just happened to be the one that got hired. <laughs> Breaking news. Jesse Granger gets engaged and he hates David Quinn. <laughs> not um, invited to the wedding. <laughs> right. Yeah, he's definitely not. <laughs> or if he is, he's sitting at the back. He can't hear any of the speeches. Um, Jonathan Taves made a little news this week. Uh, told Mark Lazarus some interesting things. Obviously, this Blackhawks team is now in a rebuild. Uh, I'm going to read the quote directly just so we can – be as accurate as possible. Quote, at the end of the day, we're talking about five plus year process according to Kyle. So that part of it doesn't sound appealing to me at all. I can't speak for Patrick Kane, but I definitely feel that the amount of turnover our team has gone through every single year, the last three or four years, that's where it gets really, really draining and exhausting. He went on to talk about some of the trades they made with DeBrinkett and and Kirby Doc. Um, this is kind of clearly the end of an era in Chicago, is it not? Jesse? Yeah, I mean, for sure the end. I I personally care, like, just, I don't know, for, for the national narrative, I care a lot more about what Kane thinks because I think Taves is, they're not going to get much for him if they were to try to trade him, right? Like, to me, Taves is, is, can be part of the rebuild. He can be just the, the guy, like the captain that kind of helps bring everyone in and, and, Whereas Kane, I think you can get a lot of value for. I'd like to me when I look at it, I'm like, how has Patrick Kane not been traded? This is insane. Like you're mm-hmm. you're doing a rebuild. He's clearly too old to be to. I thought to bring it, you could have kept around for the the other end, the other side, the light at the end yeah. of the tunnel. Kane is clearly in like he's got a couple more years of of high level hockey left. I think they should trade him, but he obviously ha- he has to waive that no trade. So. I would be curious. I think this kind of maybe gives us some insight into what Kane is feeling. If if Taves is saying these things to Mark, then then Kane is probably feeling similar. But I think eventually he's going to have to to break and and wave that no trade, and then they can actually get this rebuild started with moving on from him. What do you think? When, when somebody says, "I can't speak for Patrick Kane," they're speaking right. for Patrick Kane. Right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we've all done it. We've all we've all had a conversation with someone else. And then you speak to a third person. You go, well, I'm not going to speak for that person. You're like, you're, you're absolutely speaking for that person. It feels like Strom was kind of the last or one of the last dominoes for Kane in that situation too. I mean, they're shamelessly rebuilding. You can't really do that with Patrick Kane. Yeah, but I, and I get it though. For someone who – you become used to winning. They won three cups in six years. So the, if your GM is saying, we're going to suck for five years when you're 34 and at the end of your career – course that doesn't sound appealing that sounds terrible that sounds like a horrible work environment uh and yeah you have those captains who are are fine with just helping with that process i don't see jonathan Taves as one of them last thing before we go to break guys um dustin brown i thought this story was interesting because you know the kings announced they're going to be retiring his number i get it spent a lot of time there they're also building him a statue outside the arena. The only other LA Kings to have a statue, um, Luke Robitaille and some guy who wore number 99 on his back. I don't mean this in a disparaging way about Dustin Brown, but are we building statues for Dustin Brown? If Dustin Brown's getting a statue, who in the NHL is getting a statue 100% when they retire? I just thought this was a little bit like, you know, to me a statue is 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 – is uh, quite the honor. I'm not sure Dustin Brown necessarily fits that. What do you think? Yeah, Bobby Orr has got a statue in yeah. Boston. Rod Brindamore Mario's doesn't have a statue one. in PNC Arena. So <laughs> I, I don't think we should do Dustin. No offense, man. The first thing I thought of is like, yeah, they really like statues in LA. Like, have, have you guys walked around Staples? And we, it is Staples. We're referring to it as Staples Center on, on this podcast. All right, Staples. Staples have you guys walked around it? Like, no. Yes. There are statues everywhere. That's true. Like, tons of them. Like, just everywhere you look, there's they they have statues. They have a statue of a broadcaster. I wish I could think of his name of a, of a play by play guy. It's literally a statue of him sitting at a table with a mic in front of him, and you can like sit at the table next to him. They have <laughs> so many statues outside of Staples Center. There's like you mentioned the Gretzky and Robitaille, but there's there's a cup statue, a Stanley Cup statue with like 15 players like around the cup. There's uh, Magic Johnson. They've they've got so many statues. So I don't know. Like I I agree that Dustin Brown maybe kind of that that's a little over the line. Like I don't know if he's a statue guy, but in in L A where they've got statues literally everywhere, I think it'll fit in. He's gonna be sitting next to the broadcaster in his statue. <laughs> right. I mean, again, I don't mean that. 
Great career. Does it, you know, retire his number, but a statue. Man, oh man, where are we going with these statues? And I guess if, if that's the thing LA does, that's the thing LA does. But I ain't building Dustin Brown a statue. Uh, after the break, maybe Jeremy Rutherford will get a statue if he's a really good guest on the show. We'll break down the deal that never was uh, to St. Louis, so don't go anywhere. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So guys, I know this is a podcast, but... We're going to post a picture of this uh, on the Twitter account. It's not very often that we have two Wayne Gretzky jerseys hanging in the background (laughs) during our show. But Jeremy Rutherford joining us now, senior writer uh, for The Athletic covering the Blues. I've got my Oilers jersey in the background. You've got your Blues jersey in the background. Both have the great one's signature on it. Yours, uh, a little sentimental value in that one, though, you were telling us off the air. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, I'm born and raised in St. Louis and uh, way before I ever covered the Blues fan, you grow up uh, in St. Louis and, and like hockey or Blues fan. And, and so when Wayne Gretzky came to town, uh, my mom bought me the, the sweater. I think I was 20, 21 years old or so. And she passed away in 2003. So a lot of sentimental value for me uh, having that, that jersey that she bought. And then also just a quick story. Uh, the Blues Public Relations Department one time asked Wayne if he would uh, sign it. He was in town. And he signed the front of it, and uh, the PR said, uh, well, he's probably going to want to display it on the backside. So he signed it again. So we got two Wayne autographs on that. But I didn't know he played for the Oilers. That's wild. That's yeah. a cool jersey. <laughs> I know he spent a lot of time in St. Louis. But. Yeah, it's just, you know, it was, it was just really quick. If you blinked, you missed his time in Edmonton. But, uh, you know, long time in storied St. Louis Blue, Wayne Gretzky, yeah. uh, with two signatures on that jersey. Um, so, Jeremy, obviously we got you on to talk about a lot of things, including – uh, the deal that never was, you know, a lot of people uh, were under the assumption that Matthew Kachuk was going to be a St. Louis Blue. And and before we get into that, though, I was reading your piece and sometimes we kind of forget that, uh, you know, hockey players are actual human beings as well. We look at them as contracts and deals and everything else. And, uh, you know, Matthew Kachuk finding out he was traded to Florida during Brady Kachuk's engagement party and he didn't want to steal his brother's thunder i love hearing stories like that um break down that day break down kind of that whole family occasion and and how surprised were you i guess is a secondary question that he is not ac you don't have a st louis blues matthew kachuk jersey hanging up behind you (laughs) no i don't my son's already asked about a florida panther kachuk jersey though so (laughs) we'll have to ask him that yeah so just a quick uh, backstory as i had at the uh, athletic Uh, They were up in the New Jersey area, the entire Kachuk family, uh, for Brady's uh, engagement. Uh, That happened last week. And then uh, Thursday, I think, was the big night for that when he proposed. And then Friday, the next day, they were going out to a restaurant uh, for dinner, a place called the Butcher's Block in New Jersey. And I think uh, Matthew was late getting to the restaurant. And and there was about 12 people, and they sat down at the table. And then Matthew and Chantel, uh, his mom, Keith Kachuk's wife, uh, they get up and walk uh, out of the room and then come back. And Matthew goes up to Brady and says, uh, I've got a deal. We're traded to Florida and we're signing that eight year extension. I'm so sorry, Brady. I didn't mean for this to happen while we're <laughs> celebrating your engagement. And he said, no worries, bro. This just makes the uh, the engagement in the week all that much better. So they got the deal done and the, and the two brothers were able to give each other a big hug. Were you surprised that he's not in St. Louis? Well, I was going to tell uh, Haley, I haven't had a chance to talk to her, but uh, oh my gosh, we don't have to write a Matthew Kachuk to St. Louis story for the next eight years at least, maybe, maybe. So was there some surprise there? Yeah, I think so. Like the way I handicapped it is I felt like there was a a better than 50% chance that he would be a St. Louis Blue. I, I felt like there was just enough talk, chatter, not just the past couple of years, but even in the weeks leading up to this uh, signing 
that uh, there was a chance he would come here to St. Louis. But I can tell you, and we've reported it, that he had Florida on his list. He was really high on Florida. His folks are building a place down there in Naples, about an hour and a half away from uh, Sunrise. You got the, the no taxes, no state taxes. You got the beach. You got all that stuff. But as he stressed at his press conference, guys, he said he feels like they're really close to winning. He doesn't care about past performances. All he's caring, cares about is uh, looking forward. So I think it's a great place for him. But yes, I do think it was uh, pretty surprising here in St. Louis. Going back to the taxes thing, do you think that kind of thing is going to have an impact around the league? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's nothing new. Obviously, that's been uh, everybody's been talking about that the past, what, 10, 15 years in terms of when the salary cap's been around and you can get guys uh, to come to your state if you're a no a state income tax uh, place. And I think with this situation in particular, Sarah, look at Matthew. I, if I can do the math right, you're talking 9.5 million uh, over the course of the eight years. I want to say it's five to six million in, in taxes uh, that might be added to the length of his contract as opposed to, you know, if he would have gone to a state like Missouri. And, and please, you know, I'll have to double check the math later on. But, you know, it's it's quite a big sum of uh, income tax money that you're not paying when you go to a place like Florida. I think that does weigh into it. I don't think it makes the ultimate decision. Uh, but I do think, uh, you know, for a player like him, when you already want to go to a place like that, it just, you know, it's icing, uh, it's, uh, icing on the cake there. Do you think the league should do something about that? Yeah, I know that I've gotten a lot of questions about that in the past couple of days just because it hit home for St. Louis fans. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what they can do. You know, I haven't been a, you know, a, a big contributor to this conversation in the past. So I'd probably want to know more about the particulars about, you know, how would it, it would impact the league, how it would impact uh, free agency, how it would impact uh, the salary cap, things like that. There's probably some things that I'm not up to speed on to give like a full comment on that. But, but I do think that is it is an advantage for teams like that, uh, Sarah. And, you know, there's a number of them. It's not just Florida. I mean, you have a lot, you know, Jesse, I believe is in another one. Uh, so Jesse, maybe you can uh, touch on that, but I do think that it does give some of these teams an advantage because it is some extra money in these guys' pockets. When I looked at that list, it, to me, it looked like it was St. Louis and the, t- the teams with no state income tax. Like, is that, is that accurate? Is that the accurate way to look at it? Or was it just kind of those are some of the teams he liked and it was a coincidence? Yeah, no, I think there's probably something to it. Yeah, definitely a trend there when you look at it. And, uh, you know, his agency is Newport, right? <laughs> and they're looking for great contracts, great money situations. Um, you know, I will say this about that list. We put that list out and it wasn't the concrete list that Matthew Kachuk handed the Calgary Flames and said, hey, these five or six teams. It was a list of teams that I had kept track of over the past year or two. You know, uh, Matthew Kachuk if he ever left Calgary, here's here's the teams that he might be interested in. So, you know, he's mentioned Nashville along the way. He's mentioned Dallas along the way, uh, teams like that. Uh, but I think as it got closer, maybe a couple of those teams fell off the list. What it really came down to, and I know this for a fact, is that it came down to Florida, St. Louis, and Carolina. Those are the final three teams before he made that choice to go to the Panthers. You know, Jeremy, something else that jumped out from your piece that, you know, Everyone seems to think, and, and I understand why, that a player automatically wants to play at home. We said the same thing with Johnny Goudreau. He's going to New Jersey. That's where he's from. But, you know, Brady Kachuk kind of bring up the fact that there are a lot of distractions when you play at home. Things like people constantly asking you for tickets and people, you know, um, you know so many people that suddenly it's almost like part of the job. How much do you think that came into play? And And, and not just with Kachuk. I mean, is that something that we kind of overlook at times where – being right in your hometown isn't necessarily all it's cracked up to be. Yeah, I think it did come into play. There were some readers who asked, you know, did we overplay the idea that he really wanted to play in St. Louis, Matthew Kachuk? And I don't think we did because I, I think that if the right trade was there and if Calgary was overwhelmed by the Blues trade and Matthew Kachuk liked the term, and perhaps there wasn't an offer from Florida. I do think that it would have been a fine idea and he would have done it. He would have played in St. Louis, but I just think that the, and and I know that because I've talked to some people close to him about that, uh, but I just feel like the way things transpired, the Florida trade was the one that was overwhelming. Uh, The term on the deal, 9.5 times eight, the no state income tax, 
And again, I mentioned it again, he really liked the idea of going to Florida, you know, the, the, the beach. And, and one thing Matthew said to me, he said in that article, is I'm just not making a decision based on 2022. This is the next eight years of my life. I'm probably going to raise a family. What a great place to have a family down there uh, in the beach area. So I just think that he would have come here if those would have been the best circumstances. But I think he was perfectly fine going somewhere else. And then after the fact, then when you talk to Matthew and you talk to Brady, you, you could tell there were conversations between the brothers at some point about, yep, you know, that might be a little uh, tough to play in the hometown, especially a player of Matthew's caliber. Like he was just going to get hit over the head with uh, the requests and things like that. That would have been tough. Yeah. When it was Boston, Carolina, my brother kept asking me for tickets. I'm like, I'm not even like involved in this. <laughs> but um, what I'm kind of confused about about this whole thing is how much was this Kachuk's decision and how much was it the Flames? Yeah, so here's the situation on that. It, it is tough to read because Calgary wants the best package, right? And Matthew Kachuk wants to go where he wants to go. Um, the, this is the way I, I view it. I, I view it that the Kachuks, especially Matthew, they wanted to work with Calgary. They, you know, obviously Johnny's situation was Johnny's situation, but I think people in Calgary, including the management, felt jilted that he goes to Columbus 11th hour, right? And so the first thing that I heard after the Johnny thing happened is we're going to work with Calgary. We're going to try to find out the best trade. And so, you know, I don't pretend to know exactly what trade offers came in when, say from the Blues, from Florida, the chronological order of those trades. But I think that I don't get, think that it got to a point where Matthew went to Calgary and said, hey, only work with St. Louis. That's the only team that I want to work with. If you don't find an extension with them, a trade, then, you know, I don't know what to tell you. I think it became a situation where once Florida's offer came in and Calgary saw that it was the best offer, you know, Matthew said, yeah, I'm totally fine going there. So, you know, it doesn't really answer your question specifically. I, I just think that it was somewhere in the middle. It was working with Calgary, find the best trade package. And then also, yeah. I would definitely go there. So I would pick that place, even if it means not going to St. Louis. We spent a, a lot of the first segment of this show praising Brad Living for getting what he did, <laughs> given that his hands appeared to be tied, obviously not given the return. Were you as surprised as we were? And, and what are you hearing from maybe even uh, people around the league? Because I'm wondering if GMs who were in the Kachuk sweepstakes kind of said, holy shit, they got a lot. <laughs> yeah, it definitely was a return. You know, first of all, what, it's 10.05 uh, on a Friday night, so you're kind of scrambling uh, to, to get the story out, things like that. But then, yeah, I think, uh, you know, you see the trade, you see it's Huberto, you, you see it's Uyghur, you see it's a, even though it's a 25 uh, first round pick, it's still a first round pick, even though it's conditional. You know, that's a monster package. You guys probably touched on it earlier. You know, I think it makes a lot of sense for Florida. I mean, I love Jonathan Huberto, and, and this is a lot to give up for a player. But when you're basically cashing in a player who's 29, 30, yes, he had 100-plus points last year, but now you're getting a guy who's 24 who comes in, a little bit different type of player. And I think that's how they looked at it. And, and you know, I don't know if they were going to be able to re-sign Huberto and, and Weger. Obviously, they have one more year left on, on their contracts. Uh, we'll see what happens in Calgary. But to me, the deal made a lot of sense for Florida, even though they were giving up a lot to be able to bring in a guy like uh, Matthew Kachuk. And and yeah, I think uh, people around the league, as you guys know, were, were floored by that. But, you know, it's all going to come down. Can they at least sign Huberto? I think he's commented that he would be open to the idea of staying in Calgary. And, you know, if they can get an so extension. Yeah, 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 we do too. Yeah. And so if they can get an extension with those guys, wow, that, that's a, a massive haul compared to what some people thought they might have got for Matthew Kachuk. Jeremy, you've, you've been all over this story, and, and obviously the Blues were involved, but um, I think part of the reason you're so able to be so on top of it is the Blues haven't given you much to report on this offseason. It seems like they've been pretty quiet. Um, to, to kind of transition to, to your Blues coverage, what, what have you thought of, of what the Blues have done this year? It seemed like they, their window for, for kind of getting a, a win was still open and, and some big time guys, David Perron, some big time guys left town and they didn't do a lot to add. What do you think of their off season so far? Yeah. Let me give you a little bit of the backdrop, uh, Jesse, before I tell you about the off season is that the one thing that Doug Armstrong has been really good at, and he's been good at a lot of things. The one thing he's been exceptional at is having a core of players who are helping the team win in the last 10 years, but also building that core underneath. It's almost like a sub core so that those guys are ready to play 
when it's the time to play. He doesn't give up a lot of assets. He doesn't give up a lot of prospects. You know, he has over at some point, like the Ryan O'Reilly trade, he gives up Tage Thompson. You know, Tage goes on to Buffalo and and uh, and, and plays well for the Sabres. But I think that he's been able to build that subcore and make it ready uh, to keep it going. They've got the fifth or sixth best points percentage in the 10 or 12 years that Doug Armstrong has been the GM of the Blues. So that's kind of an example of what he's been able to sustain over all these years. Now, all that said, he doesn't get caught up in the emotion. He didn't get caught up in the emotion of not bringing uh, Petrangelo back, Bacchus back. Uh, you look at Pat Maroon, might seem like a fourth-line grinder type guy, but you know he he left. He goes to Tampa, signs a $900,000 deal, and wins a couple more cups. So Blues fans have been upset by some of these moves, but he's been able to, to move forward. And so now I get to this offseason. You know, David Prawn, him not re-signing in St. Louis, might not have opened up a lot of eyes around the league, but it was a big deal here. A lot of people disappointed that David Prawn isn't back with the Blues. And on top of that... If you get Matthew Kachuk, great. I think that people uh, look at that situation and say, okay, we basically lost Prime, picked up Kachuk. That worked out great. But now you don't get Kachuk. You know, I think there's a lot of people saying, okay, well, what's the plan? On top of that, you lose Billy Huso and that. Jesse, you're a goalie guy. That's a big deal. Um, you bring in Thomas Grice, and he's not going to be a guy who's going to push Jordan Bennington. So, you know, I'm doing a mailbag this week, guys, for The Athletic, and 90% of the questions were, okay, what's going on? We're not any better than we were when we lost to Colorado. And what is there left that Doug could do that could make the team better before opening night? Uh, Shana and I are going to address that in a story, probably be up at The Athletic on Thursday. So we'll touch on that. But, you know, is he trading Tarasenko for Pasternak? I don't know. I mean, there's still things that you could do. Uh, but I think that uh, at this point, this team doesn't look as good as it was at the end of the season. Without that Kachuk contract, though, they've got a little more leeway cap-wise, right? Yeah. So they're dollar for dollar right now. They're up against the cap. So they would have had to move out $9 million to fit Matthew in there. But kind of going back to that subcore, uh, basically what happens here is, so Perron's not on the books, right? Um, you sign Robert Thomas to an 8 times 8.1, and now you have – uh, Jordan Cairo to sign. So you're bringing in those younger players, giving those guys the big deals. If it, if it means that Perron's not coming back, hey guys, maybe Ryan O'Reilly's not coming back after this year. We don't know. Um, you know, maybe Doug Armstrong doesn't know at this point, but basically he's building up that young group to kind of take over. But you're right. Yeah, without a Kachuk uh, deal on there, he's able to, to do some more things. Uh, but I think that was more about the future than it was this year. Well, like Jesse said, you haven't been super busy with signings, but super busy, obviously, with this Kachuk fun drama type story. I don't even know what to call it because uh, for the second time in two weeks, we've been pretty shocked at what happened. So uh, thanks so much for taking the time, Jeremy. Really appreciate it. Love the jersey and come back again soon. Yeah, I'm going to hockey DB Gretzky and make sure you're right about him playing in Edmonton. I'll do that. It was so quick. It was so quick. And they put they put him with Curry because they thought there'd be great chemistry, but it just didn't work the way people oh. – it didn't work the way it did with Brett Hull in that quick time in St. Louis. So um, they, they had to move him, and he signed as a free agent somewhere else. So. You're just talking about weird statues. Gretzky has a statue outside of the Oilers arena. I wonder why that is. So strange. So, so strange. <laughs> hey, thanks you guys for uh, having me. Really appreciate it. Good to see everybody. See you later, Jeremy. Thanks so much. Always a pleasure. Jeremy Rutherford, senior writer for The Athletic, covering the St. Louis Blues. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, 
has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. All right, guys, your favorite time of the show and mine, uh, rapid fire. It's not very often that I could take something that we talked about last week and literally <coughs> copy and paste it uh, into this week's notes, but we're still looking at the same group of UFAs that have not signed anywhere yet. We've got the Cadres, the Klingbergs, the Subans, uh, Stassny, Kessel. I'll ask you the same question I asked you last week. Which one are you kind of the most surprised that we haven't seen inked? Is is it is Cadre just the answer here, Jesse? Yeah, and it's... I wonder if they're like, what is the reason that this is taking so long? I can remember a couple of years back in baseball, like none of the free agents signed. And it was a, kind of a, they were all saying like, oh, it's a conspiracy. The owners, they're all getting together like collusion. They don't want to pay us. So we're just not going to sign until the market goes up. Like, I'm wondering if, if all these guys that are left are just like these deals that they're offering us are not what we want. We're all just going to kind of wait until the market changes a little bit. I, I honestly don't know. I, I'm curious if it's connected in any way, because this seems strange, Sarah. We're in real conspiracy theory hours. It's been this long since <laughs> yes. he's been signed. I thought it was taking kind of long because the abs were going to sign him, but now it's taking like suspiciously long for them to do that. So I am wondering what's going on and if there's going to be like an 11th hour change. I, I'm getting that vibe. Jesse, we've we've changed our tune from that day, uh, you know, free agent day, where we're like, they are choosing where they're going to spend the next seven <laughs> years of their lives. Let them take as long as they want. Now we're like, what the hell is taking so long? We're all going to be on vacation and it's going to break. That's why we're mad. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's like, right. I remember the day, the day of that show, we're sitting there going, wait a minute. Is is Kadri going to sign before we actually do the show? Here we are weeks later, still hasn't signed. Uh, Yessi Pugliarvi, one-year deal, did sign with the Oilers, avoiding that fun arbitration hearing that we joked about last week. Uh, gets $3 million after a career-high 36-point season. Um, any thoughts on this one, Sarah? It's just a weird case. I feel like they've kind of sabotaged his career with all the back and forth. Um, I hope he gets traded and we get to see what his real potential is. It just feels like that's kind of inevitable. Jesse's yeah, nodding. <laughs> this is this is this is an audio medium, Jesse. So people can't see you nodding. <laughs> yeah, the nod- nodding, the nodding so loud. Doing good. Yeah, it's. I I totally agree with everything Sarah said. He's. It seems like that's just a bad situation. Like you see players go somewhere else and turn into something else. I feel like that feels like one of those situations where he he could really be a better player um, outside of Edmonton. Sarah, we uh, ended off last week's show with you talking about being on Nino Nino Niederreiter watch. Uh, we now know Nashville Predators. Uh, signing a two-year contract worth eight million bucks. Your thoughts on this one? Yeah, that was a shockingly good contract. He is such a solid player. He was producing on Jordan Stahl's wing, and that was mostly just a checking line purely. He is a great net front power play presence, and obviously, I think Pasharetti kind of replaced him in a better way for the Canes. But I do think they probably could have made this swing too. But now it seems like they're gonna sign Natchez if they're doing this. So. Writings on the wall, Jesse. It seems like Nashville is is having a like quietly good off season. I think we all kind of assumed they were going to trade Philip Forsberg and be like, like they they've kind of been in the playoff conversation for what ten years, eight years. It's been a while. It felt like maybe that window was closing and and Philip Forsberg was going to go somewhere else, and they just weren't going to be any good. And that hasn't been the case. They they kept Forsberg. They they bring in a, a really good player in Niederreiter. I think I think Nashville's kind of maybe even taking a step forward when, I don't know, maybe it was just me, but I assumed they were going to take a step back this year. Uh, no state income tax in Tennessee, guys, too. Just want to mention that, seeing as it's been a theme for this show. And also, Yossi is Swiss, and so is Nino. So I guess he called Nino and was like, what's the least amount of money you'd take to come play with me? And it, they made it happen. It's funny how that works out. Okay. Cool. 
Uh, and we're going to end on a, kind of a tough story. Bobby Ryan uh, was arrested in Nashville at an airport for public intoxication. Of course, we know all about his history with uh, substance abuse and some of the demons he's had over the years. Uh, this morning, he sent out a tweet right before we actually did this show saying, quote, I've had so many incredible messages today. Thank you for all of them. Today is day one again. Mostly embarrassed, but I shouldn't be. Today I'm waking up and choosing better. Um, and I know I just want to say, you know, it is a tough story. And, and the way some outlets have handled it hasn't been classy. And in my opinion, I know, Sarah, you're in the same boat as me. But all you just have to wish someone the best when something like this happens. And, you know, it's I can't pretend I know what he's going through. But all we can do is is, is hope things turn around, like he said, day one again. Sarah, what do you think? It feels like lately there's been a positive turning point about how we look at mental health. Um, one hour ago, he tweeted that, and it already has 14.6 thousand likes and a bunch of responses that are, we're in your corner. It's it's not the end. Things like that that are very encouraging when it used to be very stigmatized. And I think he's so brave for kind of having this public conversation about it, and we're all rooting for him. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with Sarah in that I think we still have a long way to go in the way we view these things. Um, but I think from the way Robin Leonard has has the things he's said and the response he's gotten, um, Carrie Price this year, the response that got, I thought was fun, was was much much better than it would have been maybe say five years ago. Um, and and this also, I think I think we're going in the right direction for sure. So again, all the best to Bobby Ryan. Wraps up another show, guys. What are we working on this week, Jesse? We'll start with you. So I've got, uh, aside from my Golden Knights stuff, I'm writing something. Um, I did this last offseason where I compared teams' Stanley Cup odds pro- like right when the season ends, right when the Avalanche won the Cup to post-free agency and draft to see who improved the most, who improved the least. Uh, people liked it last year, but I got some comments to make it even better. Now we're going to go by percentage of, of change rather than total line change because I think that's a better tell. So I'm going to write a story on the teams that got – the the most better and the teams that got the most worse this summer based on solely on Vegas odds, which that's people betting with their money. That is to me the most accurate representation of of the public's view of of the league. So that'll be a fun piece. Not the not the public's correct view. Just no. the suckers view. view. Yes, their <laughs> view. <laughs> Sarah. I gotta be honest, because I can't do anything but be honest. My editor is on vacation, so it's like it's a substitute teacher, and I'm not working on anything right now, but I'll figure it out. <laughs> you heard it here first, guys. Taking a break. <laughs> it is a lazy week yeah. for Sarah Simeon. <laughs> guys, thanks so much as always. We'll see you next week, and I want to let everybody out there know, remember, give us a follow on your favorite podcast platform. Don't forget, leave us a rating and a review. It helps us out quite a bit. Subscribe to the Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts to get all the bonus content from the entire network. Works like this. You start with a 30-day free trial, then just 99 cents a month after that. And right now, you get an annual subscription to The Athletic for just a dollar a month for six months when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show. The Athletic Hockey Show returns Thursday. The in Mendez and down goes Brown. For Jesse and Sarah, I'm Rob. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>